morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We are still continuing our What If series. This is, as we mentioned, not the what if by going back and, and wondering what if, what would happen if only we had done other things instead of what we did, if, if only we had said other things instead of what we had said. This is not going back and trying to fix or solve the past, the past is in the past, but what about our present? What about our future? What would it be like if we lived according to God's word, if we lived according to God's principles? What if? So far, we've looked at a number of things. What would it be like? What if we were truly spirit-led? And We examined some of those thoughts about being spirit-led. What if we forgave as God forgave us? Some challenging thoughts, how we are to forgive others. What if we handled our resources and our finances God's way? We, we looked at a, a number of incredible biblical principles about finances. And then last week, what if we face difficulties? The bad news was, we know we are going to. Jesus said, you will face difficulties, you will face trials, but we know that God is with us in the midst of all of them. So we examined that if. This morning, the if comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13. Actually, just a verse, Matthew 5, 13. This is Jesus in red letters, Jesus teaching. He says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Salt. There's a number of salt references, including from the very, very first book of the Bible, Genesis. Genesis chapter 19, Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt. There's a number of other references throughout. You can search out salt. Salt's a mineral that's been around for many years. Archaeologists have found places in Romania where people were boiling water to extract salts. They've discovered some salt works in China that date back thousands of years. Salt has been around a long time, and it's been a big part of daily life. And for that, many of you say, Amen. Boy, no, no love for salt. How many of you, you, you are salt people? You don't mind putting a little sprinkle, a little, a little dash, a little uh, blizzard of salt, you know, on, on your food? So... Uh, Jesus is teaching about salt, and, and Jesus used a lot of common things. Uh, we might refer to them uh, as, as some parables. Now, this isn't necessarily a full-blown uh, teaching or parable, but Jesus uses common everyday items to teach about and to display spiritual truth. So he talked about salt in this chapter. He talked about light. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this, it's like that, it's like this. And, and he used some very simple stories of common things that you and I would understand. When we say salt, even to this day, you and I know what salt is. Now, in Jesus' day, in Jesus' time, certainly salt is a little bit different even than, uh, than what we might look at or, or view in our particular day and age. Salt is valuable. How many of you would say salt's pretty valuable? How many of you, you can't go through a meal without a little extra salt on your food? We 
Now we're, now we're getting some hands raised. Now we're getting some amens. You're not, not sure if you, if you should admit that in the house of the Lord. But yes, salt is created by the Lord. Salt is, well, it is valuable. Now we don't often think about that because, well, we've got stacks and stacks of salt shakers. You, some of you maybe even collect salt shakers or salt and pepper shakers. And, and so you've got salt everywhere. In fact, we, you, you have some of those large blue Morton salt uh, containers, right? And it's got like enough salt for years. Some of you might buy that every week. But we have salt. We, we have so much salt, we don't know what to do with it. In fact, if you look at just about every label of uh, about every kind of food, and you look at sodium, there's a pretty high amount of sodium, pretty high amount of salt. So it's in all the stuff that we eat. But yet we've got access to salt and salt and more salt. But salt is valuable. The ancient author Homer called it divine. Plato called it a substance dear to the gods. Even playwright Shakespeare mentioned salt 17 times in his plays. I was not aware of that. Now, ancient societies would value salt a little more highly than we would value it today. Romans believed that there was nothing as valuable as salt except for the sun. Ancient Rome paid their soldiers often in salt, called a salarium. We would derive our word salary from that. It was said that if a soldier did not perform well, he was not worth his salt. Even a phrase that's been said and spoken even to this day. Our human body contains about four ounces of salt. And some of you smile and say, well, mine contains a whole lot more than that. If that's you, well, you can keep that to yourself. But the average body, they say, is about four ounces of salt. We've got to have enough salt in our body because without it, our muscles won't contract, blood won't circulate, food won't digest, heart doesn't beat and stay in, in rhythm beating the beat. So we need, we need salt. We need enough salt in our body to, to function. And maybe, very rarely, there's some individuals who maybe doctors prescribe to add a little extra salt because of what's taking place in your body. They say, you know, feel free to add a little bit. With most people, it's take that salt away, right? Low salt, low, salt, low sodium, no salt, no sodium diets. But we, we need to have a certain amount, hopefully not too much, but it's valuable. It's part of what causes our bodies to function properly. Salt is valuable. Salt also adds flavor. Now, surely we can get an amen on that. How many of you have tasted something without salt? And when you tasted something without salt, what did you probably, more than likely, do? Go reach for the salt shaker. Now, for, for those of you... Uh, fortunately or, or unfortunately, maybe you have been in the hospital with some various uh, health issues. Your doctor might have put you on what is often referred to as that low salt, low sodium or heart healthy diet, right? Which most, horrible, that, that, that's what most of you would say, it, it's like, it's not a diet, it's not food, what is this stuff? You want your salt. Now, I've, I've not been in, 
in the hospital for those types of things, but certainly uh, with, with some of the heart history and in uh, our family, I've, I've tried to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm not adding extra stuff and trying to, to be cautious with that. And so uh, there was a, a time or two I've, I've had some soups here at the church. If, you know, if I need something kind of quick, I put a little soup in a bowl and microwave it, and boom, there's, there's some lunch. And uh, so I looked at one, and, oh, let's try this, Kim. It was heart healthy. I don't know what brand it was, but it said heart healthy. Yeah, we'll try that. It looks like, you know, looks, looks good. Well, there was one particular day I was a little hungry. I needed something. Didn't have time to go out. I reached in my little, my little stash of food, and there was this heart healthy can. I go, oh, I'll forget even what, you know, what kind of soup it was, but put it in, nuked it, took my first taste. So, whoa, no wonder this is heart healthy. I went and went right to the kitchen, tried to grab myself one of these and doused the heart healthy soup with a whole bunch of salt. But you know the drill, no matter where you've been, Whatever food you've tasted, hospital, a home, a restaurant, I mean, you know when something has and doesn't have salt. And again, a lot of the things that are prepared often is pretty high in salt, but salt adds flavor. If it's that, that right amount, many times they'll say that salt kind of brings out the flavor of, of what's in the food. Now, of course, some of you just kind of, kind of douse it like it's a... Uh, like it's a covering of snow. You can make sure you can taste it on everything. But uh, salt, in most cases, it's, it's valuable. It adds flavor. Salt also preserves food. Now, you, you and I, we're pretty fortunate. We've got these things in a kitchen. It, if you've got beef or meat or chicken or fish or, or pork, some kind of meat, and, and you want to use it in the next couple of days, we've got this thing called a refrigerator that we can put meat in, and we can keep it there for a few days. And when we want to eat it, we bring it out of the refrigerator, and we prepare it, and it is good. Now, what if you don't want to eat that meat for a number of days, maybe even for a number of weeks? What do you do with it then? We've got this other thing, typically on the other side of that item or on the upper side of that item, called a freezer. And we can stick that meat in the freezer and we freeze it and it's good for a number of days, in fact, a number of weeks, maybe even a number of months. Some cases, you might get away with a number of years, I don't know. But we take that food out, you defrost it, and then you're able to use and prepare that meat. Certainly, Bible days and Bible culture, no electricity. No refrigerator, no freezers. So what would they do when they would have meat? You would coat it with salt. Salt would act as the preservative. Not that salt makes things good. Salt would slow down that decaying or that going bad process. So we know that a lot of times when our food has preservatives, many times there's a lot of salt in those preservatives. So it was used for survival, stopping that decay. It was kind of that preservative. So kind of about this context, Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. Salt is, is pretty valuable. Salt adds flavor. Salt preserves food, but... Now, what about you and I? If we're the salt of the earth, he says, if the salt loses its saltiness, 
How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I want to share with us just a a handful of principles. What if we lived like salt? Jesus said, you are. Not you might be, not you could be, potentially. You are. You and I are the salt of the earth. So what would that look like if we are to live out what Jesus says, that we are salt of the earth? What might that look like? Well, number one, I believe we would live different. Live different. As salt, we need to be different than those that we are looking to influence. I came across this quote. It's a pretty helpful principle. It says this, what we are influenced by influences our influence. What we're influenced by. The influences that influence us influence our influence to others. Jesus is calling us as followers to live differently than the world in which we live. We are to make an impact. Salt was such that it was to make an impact. It was valuable. It was to be added to the food. It was to to add that that bang. It was to add that power. It was to to add that flavor. It was to, to help stop some of that decay. There was something pretty powerful about that salt. What about our lives? Are we living differently than the world around us? Hopefully, The world can see something in you that's different. Now we know, just just take a look around, and we know that there's something in us that's different. I mean, there's just some pretty different people in here, right? I look in the mirror and I say, amen. We're, We're different. But not different for odds' sake. Different for the sake of Christ. Are we different than the world around us? Are we living the exact same as the world around us. Hopefully, you've had some experiences or somebody would come up and say, man, you must be a Christian because you, this or that, either because of who you are and what you do or maybe because of what you don't do or how you don't act or what you don't say. Is it clear that we are different than the world? Sometimes, whether it's in children, youth, Young adults, adults, the challenge, the tendency, the temptation is to act just like everybody else. We don't want to stand out. We don't don't want to be called weird. We don't want to be that crazy Christian guy or girl. So let me just do what everybody else does and fit in. To be salt of the earth or to live differently. A story I'm sure I've told before in in the time here, it it comes to mind. As a high schooler, my very first job, it was glorious, it was glamorous, it was McDonald's. High schooler, man, I was raking in just over four bucks an hour, flipping burgers. Uh, They had me on the cash register every so often. I was in in, uh, the drive-thru, but they found great, great value in me in the grill. So... I was in front of the grill, flipping burgers, coming home sweaty, greasy, oily. I smelled like onions and pickles and ketchup and mustard because that's what I was doing all day. 
They trusted me. I was, I was somebody who did things well and did things right. Oh, and since it's fast food, I did things fast. If you got a whole lot of people and they need a whole bunch of burgers, they, they trusted me. If they said, run the dozen, man, I was cranking out 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. I, I'd give them so many burgers they didn't know what to do with. They trusted me to get the food to them so that they had other people who could sell it and, and manage their way in the other areas. So I was in the grill preparing just about every kind of food, the chickens and the burgers and, and did breakfasts. And back in the 90s, uh, McDonald's even had those little, uh, I even forget what they were called, pizzas. McDonald's sold pizzas for not very long. And uh, one of my, one of my, fellow high school students or friends from church was friends with one of my co-workers at McDonald's. And I, I didn't know it, but eventually this co-worker got to talking to this friend from church about me. They somehow got to know that they both knew of me. And what came up from this co-worker was, you know that, Mark? He doesn't even steal nuggets. That's the one thing that, that was mentioned. He doesn't steal nuggets. Now, we didn't get free food, but we got food for half price. I, I was thankful for half price food. I could eat a nice meal for half price. Apparently, half price wasn't good enough. And apparently, the majority of people, and I'm, I'm not Mr. Policeman, I'm not Mr. Cop, but I'd, I'd see some here and there, and people would swipe, steal, you name it, any kind of food. They'd get ready when their shift was over, throw down some extra nuggets, jam as many, you know, they'd jam like 40 nuggets into a 20-piece nugget pack, hide it, come back, throw it in their backpack as they checked out. Maybe it wasn't nuggets, maybe it was burgers or this or that. I mean, stealing food. And it made such an impact, man, he doesn't even steal nuggets. Now, should I be stealing nuggets? No. But it'd be very tempting, whether you're a young person at school, to do what other young people at school do that's against God's word. It'd be very tempting and challenging as a young adult in a job setting to, to just do and act and say what everybody else does and act and says in the job force because we don't want to stand out and be different in our community, in our neighbors, in our jobs, in our homes, in our families. We are to live different. The, the challenge, George Barna is one of the, the church statisticians. He, he has a lot of surveys. He examines trends in the American church. Here's what his research shows, unfortunately. The average Christian and the average church is almost indistinguishable from the rest of society. The fundamental moral and ethical difference that Christ can make in how we live is missing. He goes on to say, quote, when our teens we claim to be saved get pregnant and do drugs at the same rate as the general teenage population, when the marriages of Christians end in divorce at the same rate as the rest of society, when Christians cheat in business or lie, steal, and cheat on their spouses at the same statistical level as those who say they are not Christians, something is horribly wrong. 
If we lose those things that make us different, that make us peculiar, that make us different from the world, if we live just like the world, how will we impact and influence the world? And so the challenge, if we are to be salt that's going to season and add some flavor and and keep from and prevent that decay, we've got to be living differently in our hearts and in our lives. Hopefully, people would see a difference of Christ in us. Whether it's a a young person, young adult, adult, grandparent, how do we live? Is it according to God and to his word? Or is it just like everybody else outside of the church? I trust we live different. Secondly, I trust we stay salty. Now, Let me define that. Because sometimes we say, oh, he's pretty salty. That's got a little bit of a negative connotation. This is salty as in salt. Jesus said, if the salt loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. We've got to stay salty by staying pure as salt. In Jesus' time, a lot of the salt was collected near the Dead Sea, and it was contaminated with a lot of other minerals. These minerals, these formations were full of a lot of impurities. The rain would then kind of wash out the the soluble salt. And what you were left with was, well, it was sort of salty, but the salt was gone. And you're left with kind of some minerals that really don't resemble salt, and they would just throw it out and, and scatter it on the ground. Now, this phrase, losing its saltiness, in in the Greek, I've not taken Greek, but in studying those who have, they would say that this is one verb, but kind of carries this thought of being tainted. If, If you lose your saltiness, that salt became tainted. It became contaminated with with some of these other minerals, some of these other substances. When that happens, it it really wasn't salt. It, It was not what it was designed to be. It wasn't worthwhile. It was thrown out, cast out, and not used for its original purpose. I would submit that the same thing might take place in our lives when we allow some of the impurities of the world, the impurities of things that are are not according to God and to his word. We let that kind of sink in and seep into our hearts and into our lives. We don't have the purity of the salt It's no longer that that exact same purpose that we're designed for. We lose our salt as Christians. Will we have this greater heart and greater desire to stay godly and righteous and seeking after him, staying pure and staying consistent? It's one thing to... Well, it's a little easier to to show up to a church on a Sunday for an hour or two. The challenge is what happens when we head home or to work or to school? What happens to the impact of our testimony at that point in time? I mean, it's pretty easy. If you're around other Christians who are hoping and desiring to serve God in a Sunday school class or 
in a worship service or on a, on a Sunday night ministry, it's pretty easy for an hour or two to be around like-minded Christians and stay strong for God with our witness. The challenge is, as we head home, as we head to school, as we head to our jobs, as we head to the communities, how do we live and act? We've got to stay salty by staying pure, by staying consistent. Watching our testimony, because how many of you know others are watching you? I mean, I would have never have known somebody's watching, not the fact of what I did, but the fact of what I didn't do with nuggets. I'm just, just living my life for the Lord, hoping to flip a bunch of burgers, stay on top of what they've asked me to do. How many of you know that people are watching you? Came across this story about a, a pastor. It wasn't me. This is a pastor who was good with his hands and, and working with woodworking and things. So this was not me. But it was a pastor who was making a wooden trellis to support a climbing vine. See, he was working outside, working in the garage. One of the little boys from the neighborhood came by as he was pounding away in this wood. And this little boy just stopped and stared, and he was just, he was looking at his every motion, his every action. And this, this pastor was, was intrigued. He thought, well, maybe, maybe the little boy was trying to, you know, find some tools and tips and, and figure out how he was going to uh, work with his hands and do some things with wood. So he kept working. The little boy didn't say a word, and the pastor kept working piece after piece. He was hammering and pounding and, and preparing away. So pleased with himself and pleased at the thought that he had an audience of one, pleased at the fact that this little boy was, was watching his every move, he, he turned to him and thinking that the boy was admiring his work, he said, are you trying to pick up some pointers on gardening or pointers on woodworking or pointers on projects? The little boy replied, no, I'm just waiting to hear what a preacher says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. You might not be a preacher. You might not be a board member. But I guarantee there's somebody, in fact, a whole host of somebodies that are watching you. You know it. I know it. I mean, even if you don't know the person, let's be honest, how many of you, you've been on the highway or you've been driving downtown, whether that's downtown Alger, downtown Ada, downtown Lima, and you got cut off by a car with a Christian bumper sticker. You know, it's like, honk if you love Jesus, or, you know, I love my church, or, you know, some kind, and you're like, what's up with that? You're on the highway, you know, you're going the legal speed limit, because all of you do. And someone just blows past you and then cuts in to exit. You slam on your brakes and, and you look and there's that Christian bumper sticker. You know what's happened. You don't know anything about them, but what's, what's your immediate thought? <laughs> kind of Christian is that? What a jerk. Chances are extremely high that somebody, not just somebody, not just somebody's, Somebody or somebody's you know at school, at work, in the community, 
They're watching. They might not come up to you every opportunity. They might not come up to you every day, but they're watching. They know you said at some point in time about you go to church. Or you said something about Alger. Maybe you've even invited them to church. Maybe you've, you've passed out a flyer about trunk or treat, or, or you've said something about Easter or Christmas or VBS. Or People are looking. People are watching. And they're saying, okay, they said something about God and about church. I'm just going to kind of sit back, kind of be quiet, and watch. It's kind of like this little boy. I'm going to sit back and watch. What does a Christian look like, act like at school, at work, in the community, at home? It's not just saying, okay, I've given my life to Jesus, and I've come to church. Are we then going to stay salty by staying pure? By staying consistent? Does that mean we will be perfect? No. But when we mess up, will they see how we mess up? Will they see that we seek to make things right? Staying salty. We're impacting and influencing somebody else positively or negatively at all times. It's amazing. The majority of people will never say anything about you or to you but they'll just watch and they'll listen and they'll keep it to themselves. Well, I take that back. They don't always keep it to themselves. They'll often share it with somebody else who shares it with someone else who shares it with someone else. And pretty soon, however we act, positively or negatively, however consistently for the Lord or not, that does get out, that does spread. Will we live different And not just begin to live different, but stay different, stay salty, stay pure, stay consistent. And then finally, we're going to live different, we're going to stay salty. Here's a final principle. Get out! No, seriously, get out! I've got some salt shakers. I've got just a handful of them up here. I grabbed every one that we've got from our from our kitchen. So we got, we got some of the, the plastic ones here. We've got some of the, the glass ones here. And, and I grabbed the one from, uh, from home. I've got this sea salt grinder, you know, and you, you turn it up and you, you crank it. You, you got to work for your salt, you know. You get so tired out after like two or three twists, you just give up. Kind of limits the salt you put on. But We've got all kinds of salt in these shakers. No doubt you've got all kinds of salt at home. This is great, right? Look at this salt. Look how much impact we can make. Look how, how, how many meats and soups and dishes can really be impacted with salt. It's incredible, right? Here's the thing. If the, stall, uh, stall. If the salt stays in the shaker... It makes no impact. It makes no difference. When does the difference come? When does the wow come? When does that flavor come? When does that preventing decay and and preserving come? It comes when we shake it on and add it to our dish, add it to our meal. When we get it out of the salt shaker. Now, You and I, 
understand. I'm not saying we just need to leave here and just go find some meat and just you know, start rubbing meat on ourselves. No, that, that's for salt. Let's be clear. But the salt needs to come in contact with something to make an impact. You and I, we've got to come in contact with someone to make an impact. So we need to get out of our shaker. We've got to come in contact with someone who needs to experience that the powerful, life-changing message of hope found in Jesus Christ. Allow God to, to use us to kind of be poured out into the lives of others. Allow him to use us wherever he places us, wherever he puts us. Whatever class you're in with those students and teachers, allow God to use you to be an impact. Whatever job you're in and the co-workers and, and bosses that you are with, allow God to use you to make an impact. Your family, friends, the places that you go, the, the people that you are connecting with, we've got to come in contact to make an impact. We point other people to Christ. Look at the word of God. John the Baptist in the book of John, he pointed Jesus to others. He said, behold, it's Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Andrew in John chapter 1, who took his brother to meet Jesus, he came in contact. Philip, who found his friend and brought him to Jesus. The woman at the well in John 4, she came in contact with Jesus. She then went back to her community, back to those that, that she had contact with and told them about Jesus and brought them to Jesus. Philippian jailer, Acts chapter 16, came to faith in Christ and shared Christ with his family. So many different individuals and many opportunities that you and I have to come in contact with someone else, make a difference in, in who we are, what we do, what we don't do, but we can bring them to Jesus Christ. Who might be in our lives? Who might be in your life that you know that does not know Christ, but that you connect with, you communicate with, you come in contact with on a daily, on a weekly basis? Allow God just to begin to kind of lay that person upon your heart and say, God, help me to be a witness. Help me to be an impact to this person this day or this week. You're going to make an impact Let's pray that it's the, the positive one to say that you would be salt in their lives. Invite people into your life, enter into theirs, build some of those relationships and connections with those who need to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. Certainly we can share our faith. Certainly we can invite to church things, but it's more than just saying, here, come to church and let somebody else live for Christ. The invites are good. Tonight's a, an easy way to invite somebody or a family to church with trunk or treat. But it's more than just saying, come and, and hope somebody else lives for Christ. Add that invite, add that connection to the personal connection of how we live for the Lord. Can we seek to make God the part of our lives and our conversations? So who's that person or persons going to be? Right now, before we get ready to close, I want you to think about who that person or persons are in your life that you, you come across on a weekly basis. For those of you in school, it's pretty easy. 
You see a lot of people in school, and no doubt there's a lot that don't know the Lord. How can you live a faithful and a consistent life for Jesus Christ, live different, and they would see Christ in you? We live different, we stay salty, and we get out of the salt shaker. <laughs> 